The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we invite you through the world's squeakiest door for another visit to the inner sanctum in a play entitled, Only the Dead Die Twice. Inner Sanctum was created by Hyman Brown, an influential figure in the history of American broadcasting. Brown's career in radio spanned eight decades, including his 1970s revival series, The CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Despite his many contributions to the medium, Brown is best remembered for Inner Sanctum. The program ran on NBC from January 1941 to October 1952 and featured one of horror radio's most iconic hosts, Raymond Edward Johnson. Raymond introduced each story with a litany of ghoulish jokes and puns, often taking the time to chuckle at his own sardonic wit. In 1945, Raymond left the series, replaced by Broadway actor Paul McGrath, known simply as Mr. Host. McGrath carried on the tradition of painful puns, briefly teaming up with Lipton Tea spokeswoman Mary Bennett to create one of old-time radio's strangest comedy duos. In 1954, two years after the radio series ended, Inner Sanctum was reborn on television. Hyman Brown produced the series with Paul McGrath reprising his role as Mr. Host. NBC aired 39 episodes in total, including an adaptation of the radio play you're about to hear. For reasons lost to time, the title of the story was changed from the Ian Fleming-esque Only the Dead Die Twice to the much more sedate Dead Level. If you're interested in comparing the radio and television versions of this story, we will be watching the television production on our second episode of The Mysterious Old Watching Society. We'll put a link in our show notes, or just go to YouTube and search for The Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Please check it out. But first, here's the original version of the story. This is Only the Dead Die Twice, from Inner Sanctum, first broadcast March 21st, 1949. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. See, let me tell you about the new soap opera I heard the other morning. It's a slippery little stanza called John's Other Coffin. This program poses the question, can the murderous husband be happy with the spirit of his dead wife? <laughs> it seems everything went fine with his marriage Till one night at dinner his wife asked him to pass the knife Which he did Right through her <laughs> Then he hit her body in the town bell That's where he made a big mistake Because the next morning she Told on him <laughs> 
Tonight's Inner Sanctum Mystery, Only the Dead Die Twice, was written by Ed Adamson and Bob Sloan and stars Larry Haynes in the role of Johnny with Alice Reinhardt as Vera. Well, folks, sit right down and make yourselves uncomfortable. If you don't see any murder you want, just ask for it. Ready for tonight's cataleptic continuity? Okay, then. Let's get to Johnny Bryce as he tells his story. It all started only four hours ago when I put the wagon away for the night. Ask me how I took a job like that, driving a hearse? Well, ask me and I'll tell you I needed a job. Any kind. But it's a job you never get used to. All the time there's that box riding in back of you. Four hours ago, I got out of the wagon and started to head for Joe's grill. But I never got to Joe's. Hello. She was standing at the door. Even in the bad light of the garage, she did things to a dress that knocked your eyes out. So I picked up my eyes and looked again. I've been waiting for you. All your life? An hour of it anyway, Johnny. Hey, you know my name. Mm-hmm. Johnny Bryce. I know a lot about you. That puts you one up on me. <laughs> I'm Vera Craig. I've got something that might interest you, Johnny. Vera, you've got plenty that interests me. I've got a thousand dollars. See? Hey, that stuff almost looks real. It is real, and it's all yours, Johnny. All you have to do for it is use that hearse. What? There's a body I want you to take away. Whose body? Alex. And uh, who is Alec? My husband. He's in our apartment. It's 23 Grove Street. Well, the parlor handles the orders. Why didn't you call them? I couldn't. Why not? My husband has been murdered. Oh. Then you call the cops. The cops like to know about things like that. I can't call the police. You see, I murdered Alec. You killed him? Yeah. I murdered my husband. You say that like you say, pass me the sugar. It wasn't hard. He was rotten mean. I'm not sorry. I've got to get rid of the body. All you have to do, Johnny, is to get it out of the apartment and bury it. Take it out? A, d a dead body? That should be easy enough for you. Uh-uh. I'm not touching anything dead. But you're used to death. It's around you all the time. Yeah, it's around me. That's the trouble. You think I like it? You won't do it for me. Not for anybody. Not even for this. I told you. Not even for a thousand dollars. A thousand, Johnny. Ten one hundred dollar bills, see? Look, will you stop sticking that dough under my nose? You can do a lot with a thousand dollars, Johnny. Will you stop it? Think of what a thousand can do for you, Johnny. You say you don't like your job. I hate it. And you won't have to be sick with your work anymore. You can get away from it forever. Forever? This will be the last time you'll have to drive a hearse. All you have to do is get rid of Alec's body. A thousand dollars all for you. It'll free you, Johnny. What do you say? One thousand bucks. What do you think I say? I drove the wagon to the address Vera gave me and parked it in the side alley. The house was one of those broken-down brownstones. The halls were dingy and creepy. I was trying to find the door with the name Craig on it. The 
hall was so dark I didn't see him standing there. You looking for something, mister? What? Yeah, what's the matter, I scare you. What are you doing here? And that's just what I was going to ask you. I don't like people sneaking around these halls. I'm the super. Oh, oh, super. Yeah, what do you want here? Uh, nothing. Well, then what are you looking at the doors for? I've been following you. Well, I'm, uh, trying to find a friend's apartment. Yeah, who's your friend? I can tell you the apartment. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, you don't have to bother. I can find it. Look, mister, I don't like the way you act. Maybe I should call a cop. A cop? Yeah, you heard me. Oh, look, you don't have to call a cop. I told you, I'm looking for a friend. Yeah, but you still didn't tell me your friend's name. Okay. Okay, uh, he's Alec Craig. Oh, Mr. Craig, huh? Well, why didn't you say so? That makes things different. Mr. Craig's apartment's up on the next floor. Rear of the hall. Uh, rear of the hall. Thanks. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah? What, what is it? No use going up there. Mr. Craig ain't home. But I have... Yeah, he ain't home. He ain't been home all evening. If he was home, I'd have seen him come in, sure. Okay, then I'll talk to Mrs. Craig instead. Mrs. You can't do that, mister. He ain't married. There ain't no Mrs. Craig. What kind of a gag was this? The super said there wasn't any Mrs. Craig. And who was Vera? Well, after the super walked away, I went upstairs. The door to Craig's apartment was part open. I pushed it the rest of the way and walked in. The living room was as cold and gloomy as a morgue. I wanted to turn and go out, but something kept pulling me. Ask me and I'll tell you it was death. You couldn't see it, but you knew it was there and you couldn't make it let go of you. It pulled me right through to the next room. Alec Craig was there, just as Vera said. On his white shirt, there was a big red circle. And on the floor next to him, a carving knife. Stained with the same red. I walked out of the room, a thousand bucks and no thousand bucks. I couldn't touch him, not for a million. I got to the front door and opened it. Hello. He was standing there in the hall right in front of the door. A big guy in a black hat and coat. I was just going to ring the bell. My name's Steve Maxton, detective first grade, 16th precinct. You Alec Craig? Uh, no, I'm a friend of Craig's. Oh, I want to see Craig. Well, he's, uh, he's not home. Who are you? Johnny Bryce. You're sure Bryce is Craig isn't home? Well, I just told you it wasn't. Nobody's in there. Okay, then suppose you come inside with me. We'll wait for Craig. Well, he, he's not coming back tonight. Go on, do like I tell you. Get inside. What is this? What do you want with me? I just got a call to get over here. The guy who called said there was a murder. A uh, murder? That's right. He said that Alec Craig was here in his apartment. Dead. If I had gotten out of that apartment a minute before, this never would have happened to me. But now I was stuck. I warn you, Bryce, don't try any phony moves. Oh, you got this wrong, Maxton. Somebody's playing a gag on Maybe. You. Craig isn't here. You can see nobody's here. Well, look in the next room. There wasn't a thing I could do. When we went into the room where Craig was, I kept my eyes straight ahead. I didn't want to look down and see him again. Yeah, I guess you were right, Bryce. Somebody was playing a gag on me. It wasn't possible. I, I couldn't believe it. There wasn't a body on the floor. There wasn't a murder knife. There wasn't a single trace of death. Maxton went out and left me there alone. I stood right on the spot where Craig's dead body had been. 
My head spinned around like one of those kids' tops that makes that whirling sound. The sound was my own voice asking myself a hundred questions, questions that didn't have any answers, and the whirling sound got worse and worse. And all of a sudden, it stopped. Hello, Johnny. Vera. What's the matter, Johnny? Aren't you glad to see me? How'd you get here, Vera? How'd you get into that closet? There's a back entrance to the apartment. Look, what's going on here? There was a body right here on the floor. I saw it with my own eyes. Yes, Johnny, you saw Alex's body. I put it in the closet to save you. If that Detective Maxton had found it, then you'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? You said Craig was your husband. He was. You're a liar. The super told me Craig wasn't married. He wasn't your husband, was he? Was he? All right, he wasn't. Why'd you lie to me? Because I wanted to make sure you'd help me. What kind of a game are you playing? When I told you I killed Craig, that was the truth. Why'd you kill him? Because he deserved to die. He was blackmailing me. Johnny, you've got to get him out of here quickly. Oh, no. I'll meet you out at Mount Crescent Cemetery. All you have to do is carry him down the back stairs to the hearse. Nothing to it. I'm not going to touch him. I, I couldn't put my hands on him. A thousand dollars, Johnny. It's still waiting for you. I don't want the thousand anymore. Here, Johnny, I'll give you half of it now. No. When you're finished out at the cemetery, you'll get the rest. No, I said... Here, take the five hundred. I told you, no. Now, look what you've done. You'll only have to pick it up. I'm not going to pick it up. I don't want any part of your lousy dough. Keep it. The deal's off. Oh, no, Johnny. The deal isn't off at all. Not a bit. You're going to do exactly as agreed. Money or no money, you've got to. Now. No. What do you mean? You told me you spoke to the super. He saw you here. They'll find Craig's body if you don't take it out. So they'll find it, so what? That Detective Maxton, he knows you now, Johnny. The detective remembers a face. They're good at that. If Craig's body is found, you'll be blamed for the murder. Why, you dirty little... So that's it. Yeah, that's it. And there's nothing you can do about it, Johnny. Absolutely nothing. I carried Alec Craig down the back stairs to the wagon. I always thought the dead were cold and stiff. But they're not that way at all. Craig hung over my shoulder like a warm rag doll. And with each step down those dark stairs, he bounced. And his face touched mine. With each step, a scream broke loose down deep inside of me. And I had to bite my tongue to keep the scream from coming out. I finally got him to the wagon. I dropped him into the box. Then I closed the lid. He was there in the box, but I could still feel his weight on my shoulder. His face brushing against mine. I shut the back door and walked to the front of the wagon. Where are you going, what? Bryce? Maxon. I said, where are you going? Uh, what, what are you doing here? You still didn't answer my question. Uh, to the garage. I'm uh, putting the wagon away for the night. You didn't tell me you drove a hearse. You didn't ask me. Didn't I? No. Well, then I guess I didn't ask. I was waiting out front. You didn't come out that way. Oh, there are back stairs. I, uh... Had my wagon parked here in the alley. And why didn't you go in through the back? Huh? You went in the front way. How did you know? Oh, maybe I was outside when you got here. Maxton, who are you? You saw my badge. I'm a cop. What do you got in that hearse? Just a box. What's in the box? Nothing. Sure? It's empty. 
And you wouldn't mind if I had a look. Let go of my arm. I tell you, the box is empty. What are you so nervous about? Your hand's shaking like a leaf. Look at the box, I swear. There's nothing in it. That's what you said. What are you going to do? Hmm, nothing, Bryce. Like you said, the box is empty. I'll see you around sometime. Soon. Baxton walked out of the alley, got into a car, and drove off. What was the game they were playing, Vera, Maxton? Why did Maxton let me off so easy? I drove the wagon out of the alley and headed for Mount Crescent Cemetery, where Vera was supposed to be waiting. When I got to the River Drive, I started to breathe again. Well, I was lucky after all. I steered Maxton off. And I noticed there was a car behind me. I knew who it was. Maxton. That's why he let me off, so he could tell me. I slammed the gas down all the way. He stayed right behind, the same distance. There was a curve ahead. I ran to the turn and then cut off to the side of the road. I killed the lights and waited. Maxton's car whipped by. I got out of there fast and took a back road for my date with Vera at the cemetery. What took you so long, Johnny? Well, Maxton told me, Vera, but I shook him off. What is it, Johnny? For the, the way you look here in the moonlight. What's the matter with the way I look? There's something about you that re reminds me. Reminds you of what, Johnny? Death. You're not something alive or real. Here's the shovel. You'll dig the grave over there near that tree. No. no I, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. This way, Johnny. Stand where you are, Bryce. Maxton. But you got rid of me, eh? Maxton, believe me. I had nothing to do with it. It was all her idea. I didn't want to come out here. You picked a Lulu this time, Vera. So you found out, Steve. What are you going to do? What is this? A nice yellow Lulu. He tries to pin it all on you. What are you two talking about? So this is the spot where you two have been meeting. Meeting? Cut the act, Bryce. I don't get this. You're wasting your breath. That's not going to save you. I told my wife if I ever caught her... Vera's your wife. No use, Johnny. There's nothing we can do about it now. But now I don't... you'll find out everything about us. Maxton was holding the gun level at Vera. She was right. He'd find out everything. Craig's body was a few yards away in that wagon. I couldn't let Maxton find that body. I waited a second. I jumped down. I saw the gun fly out of his hand. I held him by the coat collar. He brought his right all the way around, but I ducked just in time. Then I buried my fist in the middle. I heard the wind go out of him. Then he dropped to the ground. Come on, Vera. Let's get out of here. No, Johnny. Come be around, so... We can't go yet, Johnny. Don't you see? See what? He'll find you. No matter where you go, he'll find you. I know him. He'll hang for Alec Craig's murder. But I didn't kill Craig. You did. He'll both hang. He'll fix it that way. You won't have a chance. Here. Take this. Gun? It's his. What? What, what do you want me to do? Take it, Johnny. You know what you've got to do. Kill him. Kill him? the only way out for you now. You've got to kill him. But I can't. I can't. All you do is pull the trigger. It's so simple. He shoved the gun into my hand. 
The metal of it burned my palm like a hot poker. Hurry up, Johnny. Shoot. I couldn't lift my hand. Hurry, before it's too late. She picked up my hand and aimed the gun at him. Before it's too late, Johnny. Maxton was laying in the moonlight, quiet and still. I closed my eyes against the sight of him. Then I felt her finger press mine. I buried Maxton. All the time I shoveled, Vera stood there watching. That same devil's smile on the face. After I dug another grave, I went back to the wagon to get Craig's body. I opened the little box and reached it. Vera! I sat there in the dark of the wagon, my, my brain not believing what my hands touched. The insides of the empty box. Vera! She didn't come. I got out of the wagon and started for the grave. Vera! Vera, he's not here, the fuck! Vera's gone, Bryce. What? It was Craig. Alec Craig. Standing right there in the past, in front of me. She's gone, Bryce. Hey, you're, you're dead. I put you in the box. You're dead. Here, Bryce, touch my hand. No, stay away from me. Touch me, Bryce. Feel how dead I am. Don't, don't, don't you come near me. <laughs> You don't have to be afraid, Bryce. I'm not dead, not really. You are, you are. She killed you. That, that blood on your shirt, that's where the knife... blood? Yes, I admit it is realistic. But it's only a combination of red ink and grease. But it did get the effect Vera and I wanted. You really thought I was dead. <laughs> You're such a chump, Bryce. Why did you do this to me? Why me? We had to get her husband out of the way. We wanted him dead, but only a chump commits murder. A chump you can buy with a thousand dollars or with fear. <laughs> You're having a good time, okay? Oh, terrific. You're not going to get away with this. No? What are you going to do about it, Bryce? Go to the police? Tell them the story? Sure. You do that. Tell them how you held the murder gun. How your fingers squeezed the trigger. She made me Tell that to the police, Bryce. Tell them. And let me know what they say. I'll, uh... <laughs> I'll be waiting to hear about it. <laughs> he walked down the path, laughing at me. Me, the prize chump of them all. Well, this chump had one idea. One good idea that was really going to kill him. I started the wagon and headed it down the path. I caught Craig in my headlights. He turned. That hyena's smile was still on him. Then when he saw what I was going to do, the laugh dropped off his face. He jumped to the side of the path and ran up a hill. I drove right up after him. No, Bryce! He twisted and turned, but I didn't let him out of the headlights. He was just getting to the tomb at the top of the hill when I stepped down all the way. Alec, what took you so long? Hello, Vera. Matter, aren't you glad to see me? What are you, you what are you doing here? We'll talk about it inside. There's nothing to talk about. I said I'm coming in. Get out of here. It's no way to treat an old friend. Craig told me all about it. How you framed me into the murder. Of course he told you. It was all my idea. Cute idea. Told you before, there's nothing we have to talk about it, so you might as well leave. You're expecting Craig, is that right, Vera? None of your business now. Either you get out. Craig or... won't be here. What? He couldn't make it, Vera, on account of his dead. That's right, good and dead. (laughs) 
You should have heard him scream when the wagon hit him. You should have heard him, Vera. You're lying. You wouldn't do a thing like that. You're not a murderer. Sure I am, Vera. You made me a murderer. You remember this gun, don't you, Vera? Johnny, listen. All you do is pull the trigger. It's so simple, remember? Johnny, that, that, that thousand dollars. Oh, yeah. I had a thousand. This is where I came in. You can have it now. You can do a lot with a thousand bucks. Right, Johnny. That's right. You can get away from everything you hate. You won't have to be near death anymore. You can be free of it forever. The phone. What are you... It's a thousand. Is it still all there, Vera? Yes, Johnny. Yes, all of it. And it's yours now. You, you've earned uh, it. Operator. I... The police. Police? Johnny, what are you doing? Why are you calling... Hello? My name's Johnny Bryce. I want to report a murder. Oh, you crazy fool. They'll hang you. The one who was killed? Her name is Vera Max. No. The address is 23 Grove Street. The killer? Sure. His name is Johnny Bryce. Not... Yeah, that's right. Me. Oh, I'll be waiting right here for you. Johnny... Johnny, don't do it, please. You, you can have the thousand. Even more, three thousand, Johnny. Five. Listen, Johnny. Even even more than five. I'll get you as much as you want. Anything. Anything. Johnny. Stop. our stories finish. Plenty of corpses and no remorses. Well, Johnny finally got the drop on Vera. But you should see the drop the hangman got on Johnny. Say, there's a moral in tonight's tangy little tidbit. It comes from the grave works of the funeral philosopher, Wormley Digger, author of One Hearst Town. Now, how's it go? Oh, yes. When you plant a corpse... Be prepared for anything. You can never tell what might come up. <laughs> Good night. Pleasant dreams. Mm. Inner Sanctum was heard in the United States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas through the facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education.
That was Only the Dead Die Twice from Inner Sanctum here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And for the third time in a row, Joshua's just picked an episode for us. Somebody stop me. We're no no longer in charge of our lives. Joshua (laughs) just leads us around, tells us what to listen to. Tim and I, and I'll speak for Tim, we couldn't be more thankful. Guys, you can't see this, but I also picked out their outfits. (laughs) 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 They look very dashing. Our matching sailor outfits. As mentioned in the opening, the uh, Inner Sanctum we just listened to is also, uh, there's a version of it in the Inner Sanctum television show, and we will be watching that in our newly formed Mysterious Old Radio Watching Society, and you can uh, watch with us, so to speak, on YouTube and see that. So we won't be referencing in this, that episode because we haven't recorded that yet, so we don't want to give out information to each other about that. However, when you watch that, we will be referencing what we talked about here. So make sure that you're listening to this first and not that second. Speaking of, last time we did a Watching Society combination, I watched the uh, television version first, and you were like, nope, shouldn't have done that. Uh, so this time I listened to the radio version first and then the television version. Did I do it right? I watched the TV show first this time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell me what to do. I listened to the audio first. I think that is the ideal way to do it. I agree. I do too. <laughs> there are only four, I think, existing episodes of the TV show, or at least that I could find. So I watched all those to pick one and then realized one of them was an adaptation from a radio script. So that's why I watched it first. I don't want to lose any nerd cred here. I usually consume things in chronological order. Nerd cred. (laughs) That and Bitcoin will get you nothing. (laughs) Had you listened to this before, Joshua, this episode of Inner Sanctum? No, I have not heard this one. So this is brand new to you. I thought you'd been through all the inner sanctums. No, I just give off this attitude that suggests I have. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you said that. So uh, I'll I'll start things off by saying I've had inner sanctums that I loved, and I've had inner sanctums that I've had a lot of issue with. We've discussed Raymond uh, that I've come to terms with and now appreciate (laughs) When we first started and I was listening to the Intersanctum, I was like, what is going on? I can't stand this guy. And now I'm... This is Paul McGrath, by the way. <laughs> Not Raymond. Yeah, well, the host, sorry. But the puns and all that. He's like a roommate you finally just get used to. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I really did enjoy this inner sanctum a lot. Oh, I breathe a sigh of relief. I thought we were building up to you going, and of all the ones I've heard... This one sucks, because I did predict that this would be the kind of radio noir that Eric would like. I did. Tim's a wild card after that escape episode from a few weeks back. (laughs) I don't know what he's going to (laughs) say. Before we get too far in the blah, blah, blah about the actual script and actors and performances and everything else, let's talk about the host puns. Yes. These were some high quality puns, I felt. (laughs) She told on him. Gold. That is one <laughs> bell of a pun. <laughs> he earned my respect in one bell swoop. 
Sorry. I just wanted to get in on that pun action. <laughs> well, it's hot. Uh. <laughs> Although I am going to complain about the cataleptic continuity, and that's just a contradiction in terms. I mean, that is basically means an unmoving continuance. <laughs> Alliteration does not change the meaning of words, Mr. Host. But other than that, uh, qualm. Can you say that like the Lipton Tea Lady? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Host, Host. <laughs> <laughs> in stereo. Are we, are we done talking about the puns? Can we move on? Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I sense that it bothers Eric. Let's keep talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> My reaction to puns is not something that will be picked up on the podcast, but you guys can see me right now. So this is my reaction to puns. <laughs> <laughs> She basically made kind of a, a Stan Laurel face. Yeah, <laughs> I often am that way as well. If I will acknowledge that you just said a pun. Yep. But this time around, ah, loved it. Yeah. Uh, and I like that he occasionally branches out into forced rhymes, like plenty of corpses and no remorses. <laughs> like, he suddenly turns to Dr. Seuss. <laughs> All right, I'm done now. But to move on, some time ago, we listened to A Corpse for Halloween. Uh, Inner yes. Sanctum, and I loved that one two bits. It is one of my favorites that we've ever listened to. And this really reminds me of that. And I love it for the same reasons. Um, the twists come so fast and furious and seemingly for no other reason than just to twist it one more time. There's a little bit of madness going on there, and I really like it. Yep. Yeah. Because Inner Sanctum's just continual twists fascinate me, I identified what I considered to be each big twist for the sake of a twist. (laughs) (laughs) And the exact time in which it happens in the episode, to point out how fast this happens. You get your first twist six minutes in. The super tells Johnny Mr. Craig isn't married. There is no Mrs. Craig, you know, bum, bum, bum. I think that's the first one. Then eight and a half minutes in, it's... When Detective Maxton forces his way into the apartment and Alex Craig's body is gone. Bum, dun, dun, dun. Bum. And then 15 minutes in, Maxton is Vera's husband. And that's only halfway, or a little past halfway. And then I think the fourth big climactic twist is 18 minutes in that Alec is still alive. Right. Four twists that, like, suspense would maybe use two on a crazy night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I had to point out that you're saying the bum, bum, bum. What I enjoy about twists is when we're not told it's a twist. Now, an example of that is there was a huge one in our Candy Matson episode last week. There was some kind of thing that happened, and there was literally a dun, 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 dun. You know, the idea that these twists happen and they're just part of the conversation makes it more thrilling, more suspenseful, more scary. It really strikes a a tone for me in... Uh, unsettling the ground you're standing on. If it's not treated like you're like you're saying, like this is a big shocking thing that you what you thought you could count on, you can't count on. But if it's just casual, like eh, pretty much anything you think you can count on, you can't count on, and that's just going to happen over and over again. Which is the entire premise of Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is being so kind to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's among there. Yeah, it's in there. You just don't know what's going on, and you don't get to. That's Lovecraft, right? Yes, in Lovecraft, it's you hope you don't ever find out what's going <laughs> right, on. Right, right. <laughs> okay, thank you for correcting me. 
I, my nerd cred is in, in jeopardy here as well. <laughs> Tim was trying to be nice, and I lured his dark inner nerd out. And, I, and that should be on me. I'm sorry. I have to ask this, Joshua. You do this every time money comes up. Did you happen to look up how much $1,000 is worth today? Yeah, you, it's just shy of $11,000. Okay, so $11,000 is not enough. I, I'm glad I asked this. If some stranger walks up and he knows my name and says, here's deal and here's $11,000, I'd be like, yeah, that ain't enough to do what you're asking me. But I'm going to say this. Depending on my financial situation, a huge chunk of money, I got a hearse. I just, <laughs> just got to grab a dead guy, throw him in there. What I'm trying to say is there are stories that at that moment you'd be like, this is not believable. This isn't something I can follow or get behind in this plot because a woman came out of nowhere and asked me to do something pretty much terrible. And I'm just going to go along with that without asking more questions, without just running away. But I think that there is in a certain situation, a certain amount of money, a certain thing where you're like, that's really not that big of a deal to grab a body and make that kind of money where it's already established that his job, he hates it and needs money. So I find that very believable. And I also like that idea that he says yes to this, knowing full well it's a bizarre situation, but I'm going to go along with it. And how many times he tries to quit it. Like, okay, that's it. I've gone too far. This is crazy. I thought I'd make a thousand bucks. And how they roped him into or well, not roped him but trapped him into having to continue the process so i like that part of it as well average guy makes a poor choice and is in a situation within a very short period of time oh my god how did i get here what happened and that in itself strikes fear in me like mm -hmm. oh just one small bad choice that seems so easy well, and what's the old adage? If it seems simple, right? <laughs> it probably isn't. I also appreciate it because I compulsively will go back on these somewhat convoluted plots and like, so what would have happened if it didn't go exactly like you planned? And I realized like their plan was pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If he called the police, the police show up and no one's dead. Right. Yeah, um, it's convoluted, but it holds up. Yes. Yeah. And until arguably the end, because they didn't consider the fact that when you snare somebody and they have literally nothing to lose, they are going to the chair or the gallows or gas chamber, they could kill you. So I think if you wanted to make it perfectly foolproof, there would be some version in which they had arranged for him to be caught by the police pretty much immediately or something to get him out of their hair. But it still works as a shocking end to have him just turn on everybody and, and murder him. It has a sort of Tarantino <laughs> quality when he runs him down in the hearse. There's a, just a great irony in that. Well, at the very least, walk backwards toward your car with a gun on him. Before, <laughs> Don't turn around and walk away. And then don't go back to the apartment or the places you know he knows you are. Was the guy walking home? Did he not have a ride? Yeah, that was a weird thing. Like, I thought he was walking to his car. <laughs> or the bus stop. Or... Yeah, how did he... Wait, yeah, how did he get there? He had another hearse parked down the street. <laughs> did she leave without him? I think so, yeah. I mean, he must have came with her to make sure to watch that he shot the cop. Well, no, he was still in the coffin in the back of the hearse. Oh, that's right. He had to stay in there. 
maybe he was peeking out, making sure. <laughs> and then he came out. All right. But she was gone when he came out. Right. So she left him there. So yeah, I think you're right, Tim. She went, okay, see you at home. Good luck getting home. Yeah, and she didn't have a ride either unless they had a car stash there, so she would have... <laughs> mm, she said, I think at some point I'll meet you at the cemetery or something to that effect. So, oh. Yeah. She yes, met yes. him there. So she had a way there. Plus, the cop's car was there. He got there somehow. Oh, yeah. Unless they're all walking. Maybe everybody walked. They were just across the street from the cemetery. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. All right, we drilled a lot of holes into that. <laughs> And there's no reason to, because I think we all really like this. So let's stop. Again, I think I mentioned at the top, I love the very noir quality to this, the hard-boiled edge to the lines. Just things like even in the bad light of the garage, she did things to address that knocked your eyes out. They might have gone a little too far when he says, so I picked up my eyes and looked again. I'm not sure Raymond Chandler (laughs) would have kept going with that simile, but (laughs) E for effort, and it does establish a tone, um, which I really like. And other stuff, too, like when Vera admits to killing her husband and Johnny says, you say that like you say pass the sugar, and she replies with this really fast and hard, it wasn't hard, he was rotten mean, I'm not sorry. It just has this classic hard-boiled cadence to the dialogue. I think the actress and the, the actor are really good in this. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody was really good in it. Even like the small parts, I thought the super was great. His voice tells you so much about his character. He's well past middle age, he's unscrupulous and a little suspicious um, and he has this slight slur in his voice that tells you he's probably a drink or two and it's just like <laughs> all in a handful of lines. That's what makes these radio shows come to life. Right. Or he wasn't acting. <laughs> or he <laughs> showed up drunk. It was his last radio job. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The one actor who showed up drunk. <laughs> in, in the history of acting. <laughs> There's something about the story of a person who is a good person who is in a stressful or difficult or desperate situation that makes this choice that isn't really that big of a deal, well, that seems like it should be okay, to give them their break, that they've never gotten a break, and then it turns on them that is, it sucks, you know? But it's great storytelling, like opportunity knocks and... It punches him in the face. Yeah, but he was going to help this lady cover up the murder of her husband. Yeah. So uh, that kind of balances out some of the sympathy. I mean, I I agree with you in that these type of crime stories are structured in a way that, against your will, make you feel for these criminals. So I do think it's intended that way, that it's there, but for the grace of God go I. Like one bad decision, and I could be down this path. But it's also entertainment, because once something bad happens, you can also distance yourself. Right. But I didn't help a lady cover up her murder so I can enjoy this guy dying in the end. <laughs> right. But, but she gives him the story of he was abusive to me. I had no other out. I. It's very easy to sit and like, yes, you should never help someone get rid of a body yeah. to evade the police. <laughs> but if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna do it one time. I'd be with you, but it was the thousand dollars and never having to drive a hearse again that actually what motivated him and there's a slightly suggestive line too that maybe there'd be more big fella uh she probably doesn't say big fella because no one says that (laughs) sorry (laughs) Uh, but that's the implication 
and he has this hard-boiled quality to his performance that suggests that maybe he's been down this road before. Not this exact. Right. <laughs> the, the, Murder cover-up, dispose right. the body road. But uh, he has this hard-boiled quality that makes him seem like a, a, a man of the world. Yeah, he's probably been in trouble before, and it's maybe why he's in this situation, but we don't know that. It would have been a different style of story entirely if they took advantage of somebody who was just 100% was thinking they were helping someone out. Right. Well, Tim's yawning, so let's wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) I was totally like, I can't remember yawning. I don't yawn. Oh, I'm yawning. (laughs) Before Tim yawns again... (laughs) I want to point out uh, two great things about this. Uh, One is the sound design in that moment in the apartment after the body disappears and Johnny is so confused and he describes his head spinning like one of those kids' tops making that whirly sound. The sound of me asking a thousand questions and then we start to get this whirring sound that builds and intensifies until it explodes into this organ sting and then cuts away and we just hear... Hello, Johnny. It's just a <laughs> beautifully orchestrated uh, bit of radio. Yes. And also, there's a lot of noir lines in here, and, and they're fine. They're not brilliant by any means, with the exception of his monologue when he's going down the stairs carrying the dead body. Yes. I always thought the dead were cold and stiff, but they aren't. Craig hung over my shoulder like a warm rag doll, and with each step down those worn stairs, he bounced once his face touched mine it's like whoa and on top of it just being aesthetically a a great uh piece of writing it also is a clue in there he says i thought the dead were cold and stiff and later we find out oh that's why he wasn't cold and stiff he's not dead that guy must have done an incredible job of not breathing that's kind (laughs) of a wait a minute here moment well Let's just let it go. These are incredibly contrived plots. uh, But part of why I think they get away with it is because you have to really dig in before you start asking questions. It's so stylized and it moves. Again, as I pointed out, every five minutes there's a twist. It literally keeps the audience from thinking about things too hard. Yep. And I think that's not a cheat. I think that's totally fair. I mean, stories exist to manipulate you. Yep. And it is masterful at it. Here's a question I have for you that I don't know if this is a plot hole or a brilliant move. I Why did he call the police on himself at the end? Because he knows he's dead in the water. He has shot and killed a cop. Yeah. I think her husband really is a cop. Yes. Uh, There's no reason for him to pretend to be a cop. Maybe, maybe because he's trying to scare this guy who he thinks is her lover. Maybe he's pretending, but I think we're supposed to believe he actually is one. If he kills her... And the other guy's already dead. Who knows he killed the cop? The uh, super saw him in the building. Yeah. So if he kills her, the cop, and the super, he's good. (laughs) He just gave up too soon. Kill more people. (laughs) I'm saying the super is a weak link to him killing the cop. Because the super isn't going to link... Yeah, this guy was here to see that guy, but I don't know. Uh, If anyone saw the hearse there... Okay. I think the suggestion with the call is just that he has snapped. I don't care. You're right. I'm going down for this crime. I'm not going to wait for it. I get executed whether I killed one person or three. Right. It's also, excuse me, it's also, (laughs) it's also, (laughs) uh, parallels 
her attempts to talk him into something. This is the one thing he can do that, for whatever reason, he knows he's not going to let her talk him out of this. Yeah, he's in control of this. If you're going to go down for it, you might as well try to get away. Well, there might be a reward out for him. (laughs) (laughs) I get $1,000 this way. (laughs) It's also structurally a really nice mirror with the opening scene when uh, Vera says, my husband's been murdered. Right. And it's quite a shock when you first listen to this and he's like, who? Oh, I did it. And so then we mirror that when he calls the cop. There's been a murder. Right. I did it. Yep. So it's for artistic reasons <laughs> that he chose. He was like, you know what would make this great? Symmetry. Let's send this to a vote, shall we? Let's start with uh, Tim. As I said, this uh, is Inner Sanctum at its happiest for me. I don't know that I can call it a classic, not because it's not a classic. It's just because it's so much of a personal treat to me that I, I can't give it any sort of objective analysis. I love the two bits. I think it stands the test of time, certainly. And it's a Tim classic. Aww. I can't disagree with anything you just said. That would be my exact assessment. Stands the test of time was an incredibly uh, great amount of fun. Classic, I guess not just because it wasn't a mind-blowing plot. Well, it kind of was. I don't know. I'm going to hear Joshua, then I'll decide if it's a classic or not. (laughs) For me, this is just perfect inner sanctum, this mix of high and low art. It's really masterfully produced. The twists upon twists, like we talked about, that manipulate the listener, right? We, all three of us, walked away going, that is tight, that is great. And then we started talking a little bit, went, oh... Wait, like, <laughs> it totally kept us in, until we had to sit down and record a podcast right. to find any holes or problems right. with it, uh, because it, it, we were just such tools. <laughs> <laughs> Utterly manipulated, and I think that is what Inner Sanctum does so well. Plus puns. Come on, guys. Is it a classic, though? I'm not sure that I would say so. And I know this is cheating. But I think you guys will enjoy this cheating. I know we're 204 yeah. episodes in, but I think we almost need a new category that I would call quintessential. This is just inner sanctum. It is the most representative inner sanctum I have heard. Like to me, if someone's like, what is inner sanctum about? Whether or not they'd like it or whether they'd walk away and go, this is the greatest radio show I've ever heard, this would tell them what to expect. Yeah from Inner Sanctum and whether they should ever listen to it again. Because if, if you really hate this, you, you're probably not going to be <laughs> right. won over by Inner Sanctum. Right, it's official, quintessential. That's a new thing. Tim is super skeptical. You can't see this, <laughs> listeners. He's giving <laughs> no, well, the squint just... eye. Or he's holding back a yawn. I can't do tell. I, <laughs> do I have to reformat the polls on the website? Oh, no. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, tell him stuff. So how much money would it take for you to uh, move a body? I do it for a hundred thousand. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. <laughs> that is the home of this podcast. You'll find other episodes there, other episodes of Inner Sanctum, other episodes of a lot of different series. Um, you will find links to our social media pages. You will find a link to our Threadless store if you want to buy some swag. You can uh, leave us messages, uh, leave comments, vote in polls that I will not reformat. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm still distracted by the fact that Eric just advertised his body disposal (laughs) services on our podcast. (laughs) 
that ever happens, I would consider that. I don't know. Depends on a lot of things. Depends on a lot of things. It was tongue in cheek, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Email Eric directly. If you, if you know me, you know that the minute that actually happened to me, I would get so scared and wet my pants and run away. But ironically enough, our reward at the highest tier of Patreon <laughs> is body disposal. So, <laughs> if you do $100,000 annually, we will dispose of all your bodies. Um, but we have a lot of other uh, more affordable uh, opportunities at patreon.com slash the morals. And you should definitely check that out. And if you've already supported this podcast, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And if you'd like to check out our Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society theatrical productions, we do original radio scripts and dramas and perform them on stage. And we also do recreations of classic scripts uh, done in the morals style. And we are not back on stage yet here in 2021 of January of 2021 because of COVID. But we still have been performing with Park Square Theater, who is our... Uh, partner in these theater productions. They're in St. Paul, Minnesota. So go to parksquaretheater.org where you can purchase tickets to see our shows monthly online. Uh, you can get all the information about everything that we do, our shows, our podcasts, everything that was just mentioned at ghoulishdelights.com, parksquaretheater.org for tickets to our live shows and our theatrical productions, and also the mysterious old radio listening society.com. All right, what's coming up next? Well, next, we are moving into February, which is Love Month. And you know who we really love? Our patrons. And that's right, uh, one of the actual highest level rewards on Patreon is a guest appearance on this podcast. So we are going to be doing um, podcasts with our Patreon guests all February long. And uh, our first one is going to be with David. And we will be listening to an adaptation of... Brave New World from CBS Radio Workshop. Until then, listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. <clears throat> listen to Eric right. clearing his throat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> These assisted living sound effects have been brought to you by the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society.